Will is my little Hi, uh, this is Michael Radigan with my co-host Kat Silverman. Uh, this is three cheers for goaltender interference. Uh, you can hear Kat's daughter Izzy in the background. She'll be uh, making some cameos throughout this. Uh, you can follow me at Mikey Rads. You can follow Kat at Kat M. Silverman. And you can follow our producer, Maxwell Spar at Maxwell Spar, And you can follow the podcast at three cheers for goal one uh that's the number three and the number one um we're one week and a couple of days into the nhl season uh a lot has gone on um so we'll be getting into that cat has is dealing with a little aller some allergies but i think she sounds okay cat how, how are you doing um i'm doing okay um <laughs> like you said we can we can hear is in the background here um she was doing like amazingly sitting and quietly painting with me. Um, and as soon as like she heard me start to speak into my headphones, like all bets were off. And she's she our, was like, yeah, she's she was like, I'm going to just keep talking. Well, I asked her if she wanted to be a part of it today. I asked her if she wanted to give us some thoughts and she very resolutely told me no. Um, she's she's so. our, uh, She's, she doesn't want to be a part. She just wants to interject, which is kind of a lot like Twitter, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Today's today's podcast is brought to you by uh, Is. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, let's let's jump into it. I guess the most recent news before jumping into the week at hand, the past week that we just had in the league, uh, the most recent news is Pierre Luc Dubois. I'm pronouncing that right, right? Yes. Of the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, was benched for the entire second period of yesterday's game against, uh, I believe, it was Tampa Bay. Um, and there seems to be this ongoing saga with uh, Dubois and his coach John Tortorella. Dubois, you know, when he, he was a restricted free agent going into this season, and then he made it known he wants to be traded. Apparently, does not work well with Tortorella, which seems to be the case with a lot of players. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say that's a that's such a new and unique thing. Um, yeah. I can't believe a player is not getting along with uh, John Tortorella, the nicest coach in the entire league. I I am shocked. It's yeah, but somehow his teams that those Columbus teams keep you know playing pretty well and making the playoffs. Uh, I think they've they've kind of started off slow here, but um, yeah. So a, a lot going on with that. He was benched because of a shift i believe it was at the end of the first first period and if you watch the video of the shift uh he is just half-assing it for lack of a better word right would you say that that's being kind of generous too um i feel like that was and i don't want to call it embarrassing because obviously it seems like there's been quite a lot of tension between uh between pierre-luc dubois and john tortorella and that can be hard when you uh you're in a situation yeah. where ultimately you you can't really blow off a whole lot of steam this year um, because this is we're still in a pandemic. Um, you pretty much you go to the rink, you practice, you go home. Um, when you're on the road, you go to your hotel room. There's not really a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of stress relief, I would guess. Um, so I can see 
a player eventually reaching their boiling point, just saying, screw it. Um, but that's what it looked like. And he wasn't even trying to hide it. We sometimes yeah. see players where they, you know, you can maybe insinuate that, oh, maybe he wasn't trying so hard there. And that looked like a guy who just said, fuck it. Yeah, like, you, can, you can be more timing. subtle. Guys, yeah. guys are usually a little <laughs> more subtle with it. Um, when I watching that video, first first couple seconds I'm watching and I'm watching him skate, I'm like, okay, like, yeah, I mean, this isn't really that egregious. It looks kind of like he's, but then once the puck goes into the uh, lightning zone and he's he goes in for it and he just there's two lightning. I think it was maybe a defenseman or forward go like in the corner with him and he just backs off basically yeah he like, says, nope. okay <laughs> yeah he's like take go ahead take the puck and then um i don't know i i i it's a circus all around right like tortorella does is the way he is and he's that's how he's always been um i i don't know i don't necessarily think it's a great thing to treat your players like that uh especially you know we're going what we're going through uh just as you know society and like so like you said it's probably really tough you know when you're you go to the rank practice have to stay home when you're on the road go to the rank player game and then be locked in your hotel room and you know can't do anything else so uh i would think maybe he would try to ease up a little bit but if, and if you're uh to why you can't you know you really can't half ass like that though either so it's i think it's a clown show all around yeah it's like you said it's uh it's not entirely on dubois and i do think that there are just certain personalities that aren't going to work with john tortorella no matter what um sure and i think that he does make more of an effort than he shows to the media um just because most people, when they talk about talking to him one-on-one, like I've, I know I've praised him for, for the way he's at the very least treated me at the rink. Um, always sure. been incredibly polite. Others have sort of insinuated the same thing, but then there are always a few who don't agree, like wholeheartedly don't agree. And I think that I, and maybe it's just that he, hasn't quite learned how to discern between the players who, who need that treatment and those who don't. Um, and that's part of being a good coach. You know, there are some guys who really appreciate when you call them out publicly and then talk to them about it privately later. Guys who, you know, are okay with you joking around with them on the ice and those who prefer a little bit more of a hands-off approach and those who really need you to check up on them more. And, and it doesn't seem like he's done a great job of really figuring out where Dubois falls on that scale. Um, yeah, for and he's sure. certainly, but he's also not the only player who has been inconsistent, and he's absolutely gotten. Uh, I, I wouldn't say the lone spotlight shone on him, but like I was looking, I know that. Uh, Pierre Lebrun had put out on Twitter the list of teams who have at the very least reached was, out to Columbus, which I, I, I would that argue that 30 that teams should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 30 yeah. teams should have asked about him, even if it's just to say, hey, what sort of thing are you looking for here? Having Columbus say, oh, we're looking for X, Y, and Z, and have the team say, ha, get fucked. Um, yeah. 
at the very least, all teams should be reaching out. But it looks like on that short list of ones that have done so, um, and at least let somebody know who has let Pierre know, um, the Arizona Coyotes were on that list. And yes. so I was looking at uh, Dubois' overall stats just to see where he falls comparably with other players who are around his age in the Coyotes system. Um because he's right around the age of most of their up-and-comers. Um, right. And he actually fell. He was, I believe, eighth overall in Calder voting um, in the year that Clayton Kel- Keller was a finalist. Um, and they have comparable, at the very least, surface stats when it comes to their scoring. They, like- both have, they both have had at least one year where they blew past the 60 point mark. Um, and then they've had a couple years where they were in the mid forties and that's ultimately, ultimately that's a, yeah, my daughter's asking me if she can cut things. She got new safety scissors today. So we'll see how that goes. Um, (laughs) but no, uh, he and Keller have similar stats and both of them seem to have that more inconsistent, overall performance record um he's obviously able to play center Clayton Keller has shown pretty I'd say pretty definitively that he's not he's a winger at the NHL level um and I kind of thought that Pierre-Luc Dubois was a little bit more of a physical player than Keller Keller's really sort of unfortunately established himself as a perimeter guy yeah who you have to start in the offensive zone because he can't figure out how to back check um sure but it kind of looks like uh, Dubois' overall possession stats are better than Keller's, but that he's also been very sheltered and that he's been doing a lot of offensive zone starting. And so I don't know if the Coyotes are a team that necessarily would want him, but overall, I mean, even just looking at those two players, uh, Dubois, the way that he's been treated by John Tortorella to the media and the way that Clayton Keller has been treated to the media by Rick Tockett, who's another coach who doesn't mince words per se, but he he'll let people know when Keller's not quite hitting the mark in certain areas, but then he doesn't just pin it all on him and say, right, right. he's being lazy. Like he needs to get his act together. He says, Oh, you know, there were a couple of guys out there tonight who just didn't show up the way they should have. Um, a little bit of a learning experience for this one. This one should know better. You know, he, and he doesn't always name names with it. We know exactly who he's talking about based on the game that we all just watched. But he doesn't explicitly name names. And I, I would argue that John Tortorell is a little bit more of a finger pointer. And that's, it's that's like you said, that was a messy situation. Um, yeah. I currently have a looped video of Dubois from that where he just kind of gave up. And that whole shift, he kind of gave up. He just didn't care. Yeah. Um, I don't think he wanted to play. So I don't know. That's... Um... Yeah. And then just yeah. going back, circling back to the, that LeBron tweet, uh, it, it, he follows up saying, like, now the question is which teams can satisfy what the Blue Jackets want. Uh, Columbus wants this to be a hockey deal if and when they proceed. So it sounds like they want, like, you know, a legit, <laughs> they want a legit roster player back if they're going to make a trade. I don't know if they're going to get that. Um, I mean, that's that's fair, though. That's what they need because sure. they, they sort Absolutely. of hinge on him being a part of their roster moving forward, right? And here's here's the thing, uh, Dubois had a really good playoff in the bubble. He was a point per game playoff, uh, point per game player, and he had ten points in ten games in the bubble. So I think, you know, there's the inconsistency part, which you mentioned. You know, he he he's had kind of not, you know, forty point seasons, which is solid. That's that's you know kind of the 
good production, but he's also had a 60-point season, and then he went back down to the high 40s, and but then he had a really, really good bubble where he's a point-per-game player. But also, like you mentioned, he's still very young. He's only 22. So yeah, I, I, I think it's going to... I don't know. I, I'm very curious to see what kind of package teams are offering. Uh, the teams that are interested, like you mentioned, was Arizona as well as Anaheim, Minnesota... Montreal, Winnipeg, Calgary, Ottawa, Rangers, Buffalo, Philly, Detroit, Washington. He could fit on any of those teams. He, he would be a good addition for any team, I feel like. I, I think so. But yeah. I don't know if he would be a do-or-die addition for any of those teams. Just because we don't know what his consistency level's like. Sure. With another coach, like with another coaching personality, you know, there are some guys who we look at and they can be really good. They look really inconsistent. We argue that it's the coach. Um, They go on to another team, they tear it up. And then there are other guys that they do really well, but they're really inconsistent. And so they move on to another team and they're Alish (laughs) Hemsky. I mean, that's a guy who was, I mean, he could be really good or he could be absent and Sam Gagne that's another one who either really good or really absent and he played in multiple different systems for for multiple years at a time so it's not like he just bounced around too much to ever get settled down um yeah and so I think there are some guys who just their their overall consistency level never hits its mark and it's if that's the case for Dubois then I don't know if he would be a net positive for a team, for example, like the Coyotes, who, if they bring someone else in, looking at the players that they already have, they don't need someone else who disappears for stretches of time because Clayton Keller already does that for them fantastically. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it would it would be int- like yeah, I know I know Montreal fans are kind of salivating over the idea of him joining the team and Calgary as well and. Uh, I know Ranger fans really want him. So he, I think any team that has an aging center depth could I was really say use if you uh, if you have uh, if you need if you need center depth depth excuse me um, he was a, he would be a guy that could fit right very nicely into your top six as a second line center probably I think first line center maybe push do you think he's a first line center I don't know. Um, I think he's got the skill set. I don't know if he have, is one. Yeah, you're either gonna have a great second line center or a pretty good first line center if you trade for him. Now, right. the question is, will he be motivated enough? And he's still, again, he's still very young, so that will be really interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, moving along, other set of news uh, before we get into reactions from the first week is. Uh, I guess you want to talk about just COVID within the teams a little bit, because another big piece of news was that came yesterday or the day before was with the Washington Capitals, who now have four players on the COVID protocol list. And that doesn't mean they have COVID. Only one, only one of those four players was confirmed with COVID, um, which was their goalie, uh, Samsonov. Is that how you say it? Uh, yes, Ilya Samsonov. Ilya Sam- Samsonov. He does have COVID, is asymptomatic. 
Now there's, I think there's three other players on the list: Ovechkin, Orlov, and Kuznetsov, all being on that list. And those are three huge players for the Caps, and they're going to now miss the next four games. Uh, their coach Peter Laviolette projected, and it's because they were all hanging out, playing video games, and just watching sports in their hotel room uh, together. So that landed them on the protocol list. A lot of takes on. Uh, on what happened how do you feel about that um so on one hand i understand where the player's frustration is coming from sure you know they they were mad because they convened in a hotel room together without masks um and they're out on the ice together they're hugging they're sitting on the bench together sweating like they're spitting water out right (laughs) they're all yeah they're all in close contact. One would argue that uh, sitting in a hotel room together is less risky. And not just one, but like scientists would argue that sitting in a hotel room together, not breathing heavily because they're not working out together is less risky, especially if you guys are like one of you sitting on the bed, one sitting at the table, one sitting in one of those easy chairs, like yeah. one's at the desk. That's far less risky than when you're all on the ice together, crammed on the bench, sweating all over each other and breathing heavily after a long shift. But I agree. on the other hand, that's that's the league's policy right now. And that's what, that's if you disagree agreed. with yeah, yeah, if you disagree with the policy, um, then you bring it up to someone. You don't yeah, break what, it. That's get, what your get union, yourself right. That's what your union agreed to. Um it sucks. It's I understand. Like we're we're all mentally going through it. So I I totally understand. Listen, like I've hung out with friends during this. Like I know a lot of people have. It's I don't care. I I don't blame them or really judge them for it. Uh, we're all fucking humans. You know what I mean? Like right. This has been really difficult, and I understand. Like I understand where they're coming from. And then there's just the 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 factual point you you brought up. You're all sitting on a bench together. You're all breathing heavy when you're playing. You know, like, how is that more risky than them sitting in a hotel room? I don't know. Like, I, it's... That being said, though, they they knew the rules. And apparently this team had already been warned for it once. Okay. And that's where I don't feel bad for them. The team was formally warned once. And... That's a good point. And you know what, Alex, like, not to sound like a boomer, but, you know, like... Listen, Alex Oveshkin's the captain of that team, and you got to know better, right? Like, yeah, that's. I mean, you gotta, you gotta be a leader. I, I know I sound like I, an old guy that. It doesn't sound like an old guy though. That's that's common sense because. Okay, good. I didn't want to. Yeah, cool. But yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta be smart. You gotta be a leader in the locker room. You gotta like, guys. I know it sucks, and this is shitty, but. It's, hey, you look at the you look at the Gavin Newsom situation in California. That's that's how I would equate it. Because obviously, as a as a statewide political leader, my guess is that Gavin Newsom and the what eight members of his family or whoever he ended up going to dinner with, yeah, they've all been tested. They've all undergone protocol. Most of them are, I would argue, probably following all the rules. Um, they're not you know, coming to eat dinner together and then going to a wedding and then going somewhere else and going somewhere else. But yeah, he set out some rules. Um, he told everyone office. else they were not allowed to do something. Yeah. Follow the rules. Like, yeah. set a good example. Yeah, you don't the- say, oh, I'm, 
I, you know, I do this, so I'm allowed to do this. Because then other people say, oh, well, how do you know that I don't do this? Uh, it's really, I'm going to get together for my party, too. And yeah. it's it's just, it's bad optics, especially it's, as... It's terrible optics, especially as a leader. For, yeah, for uh, just going back to the, sorry, not to divulge into this COVID, COVID and politics, but, you know, it's, you're telling people you can't see your family and friends. Meanwhile, you're fucking seeing your family and friends. Like, why would, why would anyone listen to that? Right? Right. Like, why would... And that's... Why wouldn't I, like it's like you can go to a birthday party, but I can't. Terrible optics, and it's not great optics for veterans. Like they seemed very remorseful, and I, it was a mistake. And uh, people, you don't think so? I mean, I would argue they're not. I I, I would well, argue they put out the right statement. Sure. I do not think they were remorseful, especially when his wife remorseful. put that out on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. His wife wasn't remorseful, and she said that Ovechkin. I think it was maybe Kuznetsov said they have the antibodies. Regardless, he still needs to. Orlov. Uh, I oh, believe Or- she said both. Yeah, so. Oh, it was Orlov. So, so Ovechkin and Orlov have the antibodies. Regardless, you still need it's bad optics. Like, hopefully they don't get sick. It doesn't sound like that, but we'll see. But so that's going on with the Caps. You had Carolina have to, they played a handful of games, two or three games maybe, and then they had to cancel their games this week, which the NHL kind of has prepared for. Like that, they knew they were gonna have to remake games, but they have four guys that are in COVID protocol. Um, they expect to start playing again next week, this upcoming week, and then so that's that situation. I I don't know what exactly happened, but I, it doesn't sound like anyone was breaking any rules. Rod Brendamore, the coach, said like we've done everything we've had to do. It, it listen, this happens. It's it's a very contagious disease, right? So. Right. Things like this are going to happen. And this is a team that didn't do anything wrong, but they got four guys that are in COVID protocol. I, I think everyone seems to be okay, which is the most important thing. And they're going to be able to start up again soon. So it, this is what's going to happen. Uh, I Before the show, we talked about this. There's also news that the GM or the president of the Hurricanes has now set up um, rapid testing at the rink that they play at or practice at so they can get it every single day. Uh, and it was, I guess, leaked out that the NHL does not pay for testing. It's the teams that are paying for testing, which is so batshit insane to me, right? Yeah, that's... It's terrible. I mean, I would assume that with stuff like this, uh, and this this may be, you know, naivet on my part, um, but I would assume that this is stuff that was agreed upon by both the league and the players union ahead of time, you know, what things sure. the league will pay for, what things the teams will pay for, yada, yada. But I can also maybe see, cause this is the NHL, them overlooking something like that yeah. uh, when they were coming to their agreement and then realizing afterwards when the league was like, we didn't say we were going to pay for it. Sorry. Um, right. But it's it's crazy that they're not paying for it. Although at the very least they have a league wide standard, which is uh, players are apparently to be tested daily during training camp and for the first four weeks of the regular season. So we have what a week and a half left of or two and a half weeks left of that. Um, and then after that, the league will reevaluate to see whether clubs should test every other day. Um, yeah, it's gonna be. I think they. Prob- I would guess it's gonna be every day still. <laughs> yeah, I think the league was probably thinking, hey, maybe you know. Well, the numbers will have gone down by then. Um, so I agree with you. I it, It's going to be every single day still. Uh, so that's going on with the Hurricanes. 
and their team down in Carolina, but they're hoping to restart uh, very shortly. And then we have the Dallas Stars, who are playing their first game of the season this week. Um, or tonight, excuse me. They're playing, I believe they're playing Nashville tonight. Let me check that. But uh, they're... The Stars, they're playing Nashville, right? Stars. Um, yes, they're playing Nashville. And this is their first game of the season. First game, yeah. 17 guys, as you uh, brought up, I think it was, I can't remember, it was during, during, our, during or, our planning session, yeah. Yeah, 17 guys have had it. They, everyone seen, I think it was a larger than were asymptomatic, which, hey, great. Good. That's, yeah. that's good. good. I'm get, glad everyone's healthy. Uh, I hope we don't see that rip through another team. And, you know, everyone takes is continues to take it seriously or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, they're playing their first game. That will be interesting. And I guess they shouldn't. I mean, at least they, they got their outbreak out of the way is the only thing I can really say. It's it's funny because uh, I guess I guess nothing about this is ultimately funny. Um, no, but we're, we're just we're good. We're getting through it. Right. Yeah, we're all we're. We're all just trying our best here, but no, I, I'm obviously a little worried about long-term effects, um, just because we still don't know if long-term effects will show up later. If, uh, I mean, we look at certain things like, uh, like looking at, it sounds crazy, but like, look at radium poisoning, um, back when, back when women used to paint using radium, used to like paint the clock dials. Um, and that only pops into my head because there's a new show on, on Netflix about it. Um, and they used to lick the tip of the paintbrush before they would do it just to sharpen it into a little point to make it look prettier. Um, didn't realize until years later that over time, um, it gave them all radiation poisoning, gave them all cancer. Like they right. lost half of their jaws. All of them ended up dying. Um, yeah. And so when it comes to the long-term effects of COVID, I'm obviously a little concerned that teams are watching it tear through them, even if they're asymptomatic, just because we don't know what the long-term after effects could be. Um, hopefully there's nothing. Um, that would be like the best case scenario, but it's still just something we want to watch out for. Um, I do think it is funny that the stars at one point were listed as being above the Chicago Blackhawks in the standings um, <laughs> because they both have zero wins, um, but oh, the stars man. have it in fewer games because um, yeah. <laughs> they haven't that played still, any. Oh, no. I, oh, think, no that's... I think the league eventually swapped Changed it so that yeah. the stars were still like officially listed at the bottom, but oh, for my, a while there, just because... Colin, my poor Colin D'Elia. <laughs> yeah, he's a... He's not having a good time. Nobody on the Blackhawks is having no, a good time. No, goal, no goalie. None of the defensemen specifically are having. <laughs> I would argue that the forwards are having the worst time of all because they're doing their jobs and, like, still losing for yeah. it. <laughs> oh. They're Ooh. trying so hard and, like, they're yeah. still losing. But I also think it's kind of interesting. You know, we're seeing the Stars play their first game today. Um, the Carolina, like, the Hurricanes, obviously, uh are are having some of their games delayed. The Capitals are not. <laughs> the Capitals yeah. are missing their starting goalie. They're missing their captain. Um, and the league basically told them, and it kind of reminds me of what the NFL did, where, yep, where if a like, team intentionally like fucked around and found out, um, then it's like too they bad. They still to play their games. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes with zero quarterbacks anywhere in their system. Um, and that's kind of what the Capitals are having happen here. 
Yeah. Um, but other teams are being given a little bit of a grace period uh, with flight. their games being delayed, stuff like yeah. that. So yeah, with that's just yeah. that's going to be interesting to see moving forward if they keep doing that or if uh, if teams file formal complaints about it if they say you know right is there a minimum number of players that have to end up in protocol for us to get our game canceled like i'm and i'm surprised that they didn't do that ahead of time like that that blows my mind that they didn't do that ahead of time but sure i also think that we as spectators and even as media members don't know um half of what the league does about certain things because i know that uh the next thing that we kind of wanted to talk about was this whole goalie carousel with um with the the covid taxi squads um right you have to place players on waivers to put them on your taxi squad um and that that means that any team that wants to put a goalie on their taxi squad um is basically going to lose that goalie like that's that's the best way to put it if a team puts a puts a goalie on their taxi squad they're going to lose him um Anton Forsberg has now been claimed twice. Um, he got signed by the Oilers October 9th of 2020. Um, when they tried to place him on their taxi squad, um, he got claimed by the Carolina Hurricanes on January 12th. And then the Hurricanes ended up waiving him because they needed to put him on their taxi squad. And he got claimed by the Jets. Um He's one of multiple goalies that's had that happen now. Um, I believe it was Arendell um, ended up getting claimed by the New Jersey Devils um, when Corey Crawford retired. Um, I know that Edmonton reportedly wanted to be the one to grab him. Um, They ended up getting Troy Grosnick. um, I believe it was a few days prior. Um, Eric Comrie got claimed by the Devils. from the Jets, and then obviously they ended up getting Aaron Dell instead. I don't know how that's going to end up working out, but but yeah, that that situation with uh, Troy Grosnick and Aaron Dell in particular is uh, is kind of interesting to me because Alex Nedeljkovic got waived by the Hurricanes, and when he got waived, I heard through the grapevine that the Edmonton Oilers were interested in him because. Uh, their goalie, Anton Forsberg, had been claimed by the Hurricanes, and then Mike Smith went down. They're apparently yeah. going to be without him for for quite a bit of time here, um, which is so heartbreaking, I know. Um, <laughs> but uh, rest in peace, Mike Smith. Um, yeah. But they didn't want to claim Nedeljkovic immediately because, from what I heard, since he was an American goaltender, or since he was playing in America, rather, um, to get him to Canada and then have him quarantine for the requisite amount of time. They uh, they didn't know if it would be worth it. Like, they didn't know when Mike Smith would be back. Then they found out from the doctors that it would be longer than anticipated, so they ended up claiming Grosnick because he was the next guy who who went on waivers. And he was American, too, but they were like, you know what, we need him for, for a good long period of time. Right. We might as well get him now. Um and then when Aaron Dell went on waivers, they were hoping that they could get him instead. Obviously, the New Jersey Devils, who were like the sad sack team in the league last year, they were higher up in the priority list. And so they ended up getting him instead. But we didn't know officially how long players had to be in that COVID like quarantine protocol. 
um, after they were waived and claimed by a team across the border, we didn't know for sure how long that would take. Um, which is fascinating because, uh, that's something that you would think the league would have outlined ahead of time. And I looked everywhere and just couldn't find it. And so I talked to someone who spoke to someone with a team and said, I don't know if it's allowed to be released, but it sounds like the federal government wants it to be a two week period. Um, looks like in the U S they're able to do it in a week. I think they're able to get a seven day quarantine going, um, which is how Aaron going to be able to play for, for New Jersey fairly quickly. Um, but we didn't know if it would be the two-week quarantine protocol. We didn't know if it would be whatever that period was during, uh, during training camp. We didn't know if it would involve COVID testing, more COVID testing than normal, less. We didn't know. So that, that kind of blows my mind that, number one, the league didn't release that information. Um, and number two, that they set up this whole taxi squad system so that players can basically get bounced. Um, right. Not just from team to team, but from country to country. Anton yeah. Forsberg has gone to three different teams this year. And during COVID, that seems bananas to me. I, I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. No, no I, I mean, yeah, it's nuts. It's, I don't, and a lot of it is also on top of it. It's a lot of, uh, a lot of salary like salary cap like configuration and juggling uh, like so you see guys go on waivers to get to the taxi squad or something you know what i mean so it's like yeah it's it's all very confusing too just like the logistics of it in terms of the salary cap so yeah it's kind of it's uh i, I i'd use the word clusterfuck uh, <laughs> for I, would how, with, I would absolutely uh, agree for the waiver wire and then did you bring up jason spezza how he was on waivers I didn't. I was actually, uh, as soon as you said, like, the salary cap circumvention, um, I, he popped into my head. And that's, so, yeah. that's a fascinating situation. So, so Jason Spezza, in the twilight of his career, he's on the Maple Leafs. Um, he was put on waivers for I, I, something with the salary cap. I, I won't even try to explain it. Um, there, I'm sure there are websites... Uh, like cap friendly or wherever that can give a better understanding of it. But for whatever reason, Leafs put him on uh, waivers and then he, was, he had his agent say, listen, like he's 40 or he's close to 40 or, and if anyone claims him, he's just going to retire. <laughs> and I mean, I, Hey, good for him, I guess. Like, yeah, you don't have to worry about that now. And no, cause I, I actually think he would be a pretty, He's probably still he's a, he still is a useful player that you could plug in in your bottom six. So I'm sure maybe there are teams that were interested, but uh, oh, he's 37. Excuse me, I didn't mean to add three years to him, but uh, yeah, he's uh, he had his agent say, hey, "Listen, you you got any other team claims him, he's retiring." So and then no team claimed him. He passed through waivers. Shocker. So you had that happen as well. So yeah, it's been. We had this goalie carousel that you really talked about in depth, and uh, I think I think the Devils, especially because they claimed a couple goalies, like you mentioned, Mackenzie Blackwood went on the COVID list, yes, COVID protocol list. So, and now the COVID protocol list, just getting back, is kind of like you don't know if they have COVID or not. Uh, obviously, they're, you, they're, it's not 
uh, it's not released or anything. Um, like for the Islanders, Josh Bailey was put on the COVID protocol list, missed one practice. He was put on it on Tuesday or Wednesday, missed one practice, but was good to go on Thursday. So, and uh, last night's game. So I- I'm not really sure how it works, but if the Devils have Mackenzie Blackwood on the COVID list, so they went and scooped up a co- couple goalies as well. Yeah, it's, and yeah, guys bouncing from country to country, like you mentioned, it's tough. It's a really difficult situation is all I could say. I, I don't know what the right answer is. I, I think the league needs to, I guess, be better with what what the rules are practically. But yeah. Yeah, I I think they probably could have found a way to make it work so that uh so that they weren't letting guys bounce around like that. Cause I know that like the premise of it was sap and like the not sap circumvention, cur- uh, cap circumvention. <laughs> um, I know that the league didn't want teams to go over the salary cap by essentially rotating guys on and off. Um, where where you could essentially say, oh, you know, uh, I know that this puts us over the salary cap. Um, this goalie's not going to start tonight, so we're going to put him on our our taxi squad, and then we'll swap right. it the next night or whatever. And so I get that. But at the same time, uh, because of that, we're kind of missing this, this ability for teams to properly utilize their taxi squad to have that third goalie. And we're seeing teams suffer for it. I would argue Um, because like, look at the Oilers. They tried to put their guy on their taxi squad. That would have been Anton Forsberg. Um, He got claimed by another team. Um, And then their goalie got hurt. And so they they had to go out and claim someone from someone else just in order to have a guy on their taxi squad. And so that to me is that's frustrating because if you plan on keeping a guy on your taxi squad for a week, two weeks, whatever the case may be, um, it shouldn't count against you. Um, obviously, yeah. I think that you know maybe maybe they could have done it where. Your guy, if you put them on the taxi squad, you have to have a corresponding COVID protocol move or injury move. Um, you have to either place a guy on injured reserve or place someone in your COVID protocol, like the pro- the COVID protocol list, whatever they're calling it. Um, you would have to place someone on that list before you could recall your taxi squad member in order to, you know, prevent teams from just rotating guys on and off it. Um, but it doesn't really like I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me that they're able to use this uh, this waiver system because I don't think we're going to see many forwards and defenders getting claimed. Although seeing what's happening with like like the Washington Capitals, where guys ended up on their COVID protocol list and the league told them to like fuck themselves and yeah. that their games would go on. Um, I think that we may start to see some of those waiver claims. Uh, as the season goes on at the other positions too. Um, but yeah, it just, I don't know. I think that the goalies are going to suffer for it. Um, right. Not to, not to be the constant defender of the goalies, but <laughs> it doesn't make a ton of sense to me to do it that way. Um, there's a way to get around it without, you know, letting teams use it as a cap circumvention point. Uh, I think it should yeah. be a way for teams to, to actively store someone that they could use later. Um but I don't know. I think it's it's kind of silly. It's kind of funny. I, I normally I would be not super 
fond of a player who is on a major league contract saying that uh, they'll just retire right. if they get traded. Um, just because, yeah, it's that's that's part of the nature of the thing. But um, at the same time, um, it's COVID, and yeah. if you don't feel comfortable potentially getting bounced around from team to team with a family at home. Uh, if you don't want your family being stuck without you nearby, like whatever the case is, I get it. I do. Um, so I don't, I don't blame him. I think it's kind of fun that he did that. Um, but as for the rest of it, I think it's super ridiculous. Um, but sort of continuing along those lines, uh, speaking of ridiculous things, uh, I know we wanted to get a little bit into reactions from the first week, um, including what would you say has been, I know that we wanted to talk about maybe some overreactions. Uh, what would you say is your, your favorite overreaction so far? Oh man. Week, other than Jason Spezza saying that if someone claims him, he'll retire. Cause that's, uh, that's to me a little bit of an overreaction. Well, I mean, this is just on par for their fan base and no offense, but, uh, Bruins fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Bruins went through a bit of a scoring drought to start the season. They uh, and they haven't won a game. I don't think they won a game in regulation yet. But they do have. They are two and one, two one and one. Uh, and yeah, they, that fan base kind of has melted down. But you know, they went well, off last night, having having a normal time as they yeah. as they. They'll be, they're the Bruins. I think they'll be okay, but. Uh, that reaction i think montreal is really enjoying themselves uh so far i think so is tampa and vegas have all played very well but i think yeah the bruins uh just from an islander standpoint they they last week they started off against the rangers crushed them for nothing so obviously i'm planning the stanley cup parade after that um and then they play the rangers on saturday and then they varlamov got hurt in warm-ups because someone shot up high uh cal clutterbuck shot up high and hit him in the neck which like you you know never to shoot up high on a goalie during warm-ups i like i think you're taught that in junior high um in in clutterbuck's defense because you know i'm like the number one cal clutterbuck defender um it looks like the puck got deflected up which i would would maybe argue that he shouldn't have been shooting that hard at his goalie during yeah um and he should be like, I don't know. I'm not, I don't play out. I play goalie. Um, I assumed the players either tried to like lob softies at us down low or intentionally tried to miss us, like tried right, to right. shoot at the corners, um, uh, especially yeah. at the NHL level. Um, yeah, yeah, so absolutely. If you're shooting that hard. You should be intentionally trying to miss. Um, yeah. Yeah. It should be, it should be going off the, you should be missing the net. Yeah. I don't, so I don't, I don't entirely blame him, but I also think he was a little stupid there. Um, yeah, but how so is Varlamov doing? He's doing really. He's playing really well. So, uh, just getting real quick to the overreaction that that thrusted Elias Rorkin to make his NHL debut, and the Rangers thumped the Islanders five nothing. But uh, I mean, some of the reactions because you know obviously Sorokin didn't play great, but he was you know. He wasn't. He wasn't supposed to start that night. And when that happens, you know, and it's your first NHL start, you can be a little shaky. But man, some if a loss to the Rangers sometimes uh, really sends people into uh, a meltdown. But then they've they beat the Bruins and then they beat the Devils last night, so they're 
back on track, but <laughs> I mean, I would I would argue that Islanders fans never overreact. No, so. we're very normal, level-headed, especially if normal. like listen, if one of our if our franchise player leaves, we're very cool about it. We're very normal and level-headed about uh, our players leaving our team. We we would never boo or throw snakes at the ice at them or anything like that. We are very level-headed, Should normal. Run it over in the parking lot. Yeah, run it over in the parking that. lot. Uh, cry, uh, curse him off when he sits in the penalty box. We are we're not Maple Leafs fans, all right? We're very normal. Um, speaking of the Leafs, they have been kind of up and down uh, to start. Uh, that's being generous. Yeah, um. but losses to the Senators and the Oilers make me laugh because, again, that that whole division, I think, is just a giant overreaction when anything happens, that Canadian division. So I, I think for overreaction, I would just point to that division. Every team in that division, I think, is fair, right? Yeah, um, as soon as the as soon as the first week started, because we did our last episode, we recorded it um, the day of. I, it was either the the day of the first games or it was the day of or it was the second day. Yeah, um, yeah. And we put out our predictions, um, and we were pretty confident in those. Um, yeah, I know it was. Um, we were like, I, I know that there were some that we weren't super sure if they were gonna gonna be right or not, but we agreed exclusively on only a few things. Um, obviously, Vegas has proven us right. Um, yep. Colorado has somehow managed to injure Pavel Francouz again. Um, uh, yeah. St. Louis lost 8-0 to, to Colorado. And then I believe also lost to San Jose, which is not a good look. Um, no. And and then we were also both uh, really confident that the Toronto Maple Leafs, it was like Toronto and then everyone else in yeah. the North. And Toronto was like, no, thank you, please. Yeah. Um. So they, I had, I had Montreal they, as my surprise team. So I'm looking, I'm in the green with that. You're looking good with that one. Yeah. Um, I I had Vancouver as my my surprise team, and I'm not looking good with that. Um, man, what is going on with them? Those, I don't know. Those, I don't know. They did so well for a while there. Were they? And that when you were talking about Montreal, you were like, yeah, they're they're really like, they did amazing. And I looked at that game. Yeah. They beat Vancouver last night. Seven to three. Yeah. Vancouver's goalie allowed all seven goals and had the better save percentage. I know. So they're Montreal. What a a bad game for Vancouver. Like what a terrible game for Vancouver. Montreal is not getting great goaltending, right? I mean, they got no, no. Jake Allen had a nice game, I think a couple nights ago, but Carey Price has not played well. So, but Jake Allen had an 824 save percentage in that game. Last night? He allowed three goals on 17 shots. Oh, he played last which, night. Okay. I know yeah, Price, he played last night. Price and, the, night, the night before wasn't very good either. Yeah. It's, I, mm, because Vancouver allowed, not not a great night for Thatcher Demko, right? Allowed seven goals. That's never good. But he faced 42 shots. Yeah. And I know at one point last night, I was looking at the ASU score, Um and I, I sent a message to one of my friends, and I was like, "So what's going on with with ASU?" Um, because looking at it, uh, at one point during their game last night, they were losing four nothing to Minnesota. They were being outshot twenty one to two, and then at one point it became thirty four to three. 
the Gophers had twice as many goals as the Sun Devils had shots. And that's kind of what happened. And that's kind of embarrassing in NCAA hockey. Um, But that's also what happened with Montreal and Vancouver. And that's also embarrassing. (laughs) That's I'd argue more embarrassing. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't really know what's happening to Vancouver. They've never had an amazing defensive core, and I know we, we talked about that a little bit. They, but. They're looking bad. That defensive yeah. core looks like ass. Like yeah, for to put it nicely. But I do want to preface all of this with saying, you know, it's it's only the first week. It's only the first nine days or whatever. Uh, there was no preseason, so I I think maybe. We're we're that I think that's why we're kind of starting. We're off the bat. We're seeing a lot of high high scoring because I don't think defense, 100%. defense and goaltending, especially goalies, you know, probably need a couple preseason games to get into their groove a little bit. Um, so I think that's why. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily hit the uh, man, Vancouver. Really, they're making like that defense. Maybe I'd hit the panic button on that. But everyone else, let's see how let's. Let's get some more games in before Toronto. Toronto, let's see how things go. Yeah, Toronto. Uh, I, yeah, Toronto. You know, will bounce back. Uh, Colorado. I mean, they lost to the Kings last night, but you know, they they sh- should still be really solid. Other than that, I mean, we expected Vegas to uh, kick ass. We kind of we kind of expected Tampa to beat Tampa. Philly and the Islanders have started off hot in that division, and then yeah, there's kind of everyone. Winnipeg, your your Jets. You said. Uh, would uh would surprise people and they're three and one right now so i knew i knew it um yeah <laughs> i mean we're four we're four games in um the only team so far that have been a a complete non-surprise um blue jackets are off to a really cold start um the blackhawks are off to the league's coldest start um yeah, they're a disaster which is yeah um I think that, uh, you know, we're getting a little bit of a pleasant surprise from the Flyers there. Um, I really wish people would calm down on on the Leafs. Um, I want to say it was the first game, and everybody was melting down about Freddie Anderson. Everyone. Yeah, they're really on him. Uh, and that, like, huh? when you said that your overreaction was, uh, wasn't... What, when your overreaction wasn't the Leafs, I was like, really? Because that oh. watching watching Leafs fans go nuts yeah. about they Freddie hate, Anderson. They like, hate their goaltender, man. They yeah. hate that guy. And I, like he's been yeah. he's been pretty good for them. I, I I don't know. Like you'd probably know better than me, but wouldn't you say he's been pretty solid throughout the past however many seasons? Like his problem was that he has to start fucking 60 games a year and by the time playoffs are all around he's basically been worked into dust right that's that's the Leafs in a nutshell though because this is the team that and I say this with with the full disclosure that my family like breathes Leafs hockey up in Canada and but this is the same fan base that sent death threats to James Reimer's wife yeah because James Reimer did not have social media yeah, and they're, this they're... is the same fan base that like wanted Jonathan Bernier's head because he lost something like 18 straight games during a season where they had players who just didn't care. They had yeah. players who weren't showing up, who were like leaving early, who didn't look like they cared. And uh, 
Yeah, they were they were getting mad at Jonathan Bernier. This is the I, same team that like every goalie they've had. They just bully. <laughs> they, yeah, they hate. And there are very few teams that are harder on their goaltenders than yeah. the Leafs are. Yeah. Um, I know there are some other teams that are not as kind to their goaltenders as they could be. Um, there are some teams that are mysteriously very nice to goaltenders that maybe they shouldn't be. Um, wow. Name, let's name name names. But I'm not I'm not here to to talk mean about goaltenders <laughs> right now. Um, but. But no, it's, uh, you know, it's, I think things are going to turn around for the Leafs. They're still in second. They're, the, it's, they're, it's, the, yeah. they're the weirdest fucking fan base uh, because they have such a entitlement complex, but also at the same time, such an inferiority complex. Like, it's such a weird mix. And because they think they're the greatest ever, but then they're like, oh, our goalie is the worst person. He's a piece of shit. Like, at this, like, Man, I guess winning it, not winning a playoff season uh, series in however many years does that to you. But like you said, I'm not here to call anyone out. Um. <laughs> it's it's funny because you know I would argue that Rangers fans were not as nice to Henrik Lundqvist as they could absolutely have been. towards the end. Um, absolutely, At, like the past I think three years they've kind of dumped all over. They were him. not nice to him. Yeah, yeah, they were not nice to him at all. Um, Flyers fans, weirdly enough are not as mean to their goaltenders. But I think that's just because their goaltenders get hurt so often that, like, they don't even look at that anymore. They haven't they're like, had... I'm not even going to. Yeah. They're they like, haven't... it's going to be 20 guys a year. We're not going to be mean to any of them. Um, they haven't had a legit goalie since, um, like, since 19... Ron Hextall. Yeah. Well, not, I mean, it was he even legit? I mean, they haven't had, like, a superstar, like, a real. Did you just say, was he even legit? I mean, I'm he's, brought... he's legit at, oh. like, whacking guys' heads oh, off. With... Wow. He was like, he was like, uh, he was just, is over. He, he, he was really good at like murdering guys. He was like a bizarro I, world. Billy Smith, basically. I um, him. I love him. Oh, actually he had some good years with the flyers. I take that back. He had a couple, well, he had a couple nice years during the nineties with the flyers. So, but they haven't had like a guy like Carter Hart, right? Like this, like this guy is our bona fide number one. He's our, he's our guy. He's going to be a top goalie in the league. So they they love him there, right? In Philly, and then like you said, they also go through a ton of injuries. So, yeah, I, I could see what you're saying with that. I, I'm I'm so shook right now. Well, I can't I, believe I, you I, just said it's Ron Hextall even Wow. I, okay. I, oh, I, well, I I'm sorry. He did. He you know he had close to 300 wins in his career. Oh, he was an Islander. I forgot about that. Um, disrespecting your own man. That's I all mean, right. He was, he was, he wasn't, he was the one that was like insane, right? Ron Hextall. Yes. He would like chase guys and like yes. beat the crap out yeah, of them. He chased them all the time. Yeah. That was yeah. his thing. Um, yeah. He was like, anyways, anyways, I, I love Carter Hart though. Yeah. Um, he's very good. He's, I, I like him too. I, I expect good things from him. I'm uh, I would like to point out by the way that, um, Every year, speaking of overreactions, um, Coyotes fans always seem to accuse the league of hating them. Um, yeah, there's which that. Which is funny because half the league thinks that, uh, and, and by half the league, I mean half the league's fan base, seems to think that the NHL. Yep, that's like, a, 
A hundred percent. Same Props thing. Props up the Coyotes. And then yep. the Coyotes constantly think that the league is like screwing them over. Yeah. Um, yeah. And normally I think it's not necessarily correct. You know, they say, oh, the league only gave us, you know, this many games on national TV. They're screwing us over. Oh, the league gave us this, screwing us over. Oh, the, the travel schedule, whatever. Um, I think it's tremendously disrespectful that the NHL started off this season giving the Coyotes four consecutive games. That's rough. Against the Vegas Golden Knights. That's that's rough. And that's not fair. <laughs> I, the, uh, there's the Islander fans feel the same way that the league disrespects them. I think there's a little bit of a kinship that Islanders fans and Coyotes fans can feel I together. Because there's there's the we're always disrespected by the league. We never get national games. The locate like uh, relocating has hung over. Uh, both franchise for a different number of decades. Uh, so I, I think there is a little bit, they don't get the respect that they're deserved by pundits or the league. I think there's a kinship there, even though we're on opposite sides of the country. Yeah, it's uh, Islanders fans, Hurricanes fans, and Coyotes yeah. fans all seem yeah. to sort of have this kinship and it works. Um, but no, looking at the Coyotes stats for this year, um, they're currently... They were in first very briefly in the standings in the West. Um, obviously, we're less than five games into the season for most teams, so it's going to change every single day. Um, but they're currently in last. Um, they have a 1-2-1 one, and one record. Um, and even though they have a 1-2-1 one, and one record, um, they have a player who's over a point per game so far. Um, Phil Kessel has four goals in four games, um, yep. zero assists, and he's a minus three. So, like, he's back to being Phil Kessel. Sure. Hey, um, the Phil Kessel <laughs> we know and love. Zero defense. Yeah. All scoring all the time. Love it. But Jacob Chikrin has over a point per game. They've already yeah. lost their captain, um, who's arguably their top minutes-eating defender. Yeah. Yep. And they're still, they have Jacob Chikrin scoring, you know, five points in four games. They have uh, Nick Schmaltz has two goals. Clayton Keller has two goals. Connor Garland has three points in four games. Derek Broussard has three points in four games. He almost got his first goal as a Coyote. Um, I believe it was in the first game, and they ended up crediting it to Connor Garland instead. Um, Barrett Hayton has his first goal. Um, they have all these decent performing players for once and they're having to play against the golden knights for four straight games which is the worst they started off yeah they they started off against san jose and they they had that really nice comeback when the first game with kessel it was an overtime loss the first game and they won the second one right but kessel tied that game that was almost a regulation loss uh but kessel tied it it came really close to being a regulation loss yeah, so they, they had a nice little comeback against the Sharks. Then they beat them in regulation. So, you know, was, you take an overtime loss or was it shootout or overtime? Shootout. Shootout. So you take like shootout. It's like whatever. You take a shootout loss like uh, who that's just always especially so, in the first game of the season. You know, yeah, that's sh- shootouts are dumb. I think everyone says like sh- shootout loss. You never feel that bad and shootout when you're just like whatever. Uh, right. So you have a shootout loss, and then you have a nice regulation win against the Sharks, and then kind of wallop them. I think that was a five-two. Yeah, yeah five. they put up. I think it was five-three in the end. Yeah, and then they they go into Vegas, and I believe that was Vegas's home opener on that Sunday night, and they jump out to a two two nothing lead, and they look they they really like came out flying, 
And then just towards the end, I think they just, uh, they're still a young team and Vegas is Vegas. So uh, that's, uh, it is unfair that you got to play them four friggin' times. <laughs> Especially because I know that when we were talking about our previews, um, we were talking about how the Coyotes have one thing that like really works in their favor. Um, we were like, we don't know if they'll be able to score enough. Um, brief reprieve, by the way, Isabel, put your scissors down. <laughs> My daughter's looking at things, by the way, for our listeners. She's like looking at her craft table <laughs> and she has her scissors held behind her back and she's like opening and closing them. I'm just, I'm not ready for blood. Set it on the table, girlfriend. Um, but yeah, we were like, oh, we don't know if their forwards are going to be able to score. We don't know if they'll have the offense. But at least they have that amazing goaltending. They have two elite-level goaltenders. Right. Um, yeah. Onto Hiranta has a minor injury again. Um, Some, if you've heard that before. Um, yeah, just can't. Played can't his first healthy. game. Did really well. Um, Darcy Kemper has had to play three games as a result. He has not looked good. He has not, yeah. Those, there's he has a couple. not looked good at all. Yep. Yeah, there's eight, seven, nine save percentage in one game. That's okay. You know, it's, it's your first game, whatever he's it's three games in, he still hasn't like, and he started, I, excuse me, I think with a nine 13 and he's dropped from there. Um, I know it's Vegas. I know they're hard. They're starting him again tonight. I don't, by the time this podcast is released, we'll know if he's won the game or not, but I would have maybe given the game to Hill, you know, try and get through this four game series against Vegas and move on to easier teams. Um, I don't know. Maybe they want to give Kemper a chance to tighten his game up a little bit, but he looks not fully put together. He looks like he usually does in preseason. And that's immensely frustrating because I thought Ronto looked fine. Um, Well, the thing, if I, I, I get what you're saying, like, why not get Hill in there? But you know what? If Kempner goes out and wins this game, because they seem a little snake bitten against the Knights. They've lost two in a row against them. Uh, but if he, if you go if he goes in, maybe he steals a game for them, and then he you know gets back on track. Because he is he is a goal. If you look at his stats, he is a goalie that plays pretty well. Like we mentioned, like right, like he didn't he have like he had one of the highest save percentages or goals against averages the past couple of years. Like he's been very good. Combined, for- Ronta and Kemper are the highest uh, from 2017 to now. Yeah, they hit 928, 928 save percentage, 928 save percentage uh, lat, or last year, 2019 to 2020. And then the year before, he was 925. So, like, is he a goalie that's going to cons- always put up uh, a goals against average of in the 920s? Probably not all the time. Like, it'll come back down. But you expect him to be at least over league average. So... He hopefully, if he starts, he starts tonight and maybe he gets his game back and, you know, you start to see that save percentage and goals against go up. Um, has he been getting a Wonderful. lot of, is he getting a lot of help on defense? Like, is he seeing a lot of high, high danger shots or? It's been, it's been a little inconsistent. So just like every team, I would yeah. say, um, it's been one of those situations where the team has a few breakdowns. Um, I would probably argue at least one or two of the goals by Vegas in their last game, which they lost five to two. Um, at least one or two of those goals didn't look amazing for the rest of the team. Um, right. But then the one that really stuck out to me, the second one, 100% Darcy Kemper's fault. Right. Um, so it's not entirely, you know, sometimes we watch and we're like, oh, of course this guy is a bad, like, like Thatcher Demko. Okay. Yeah. 
it's the first week of the season and they're allowing 42 shots. Of course he's not doing well. Right. Uh, or, this one, I mean, he, he yeah. faced 29 shots in the last game. Um, the Coyotes took 23 against Flurry, so it's not like they were just being lopsided, pummeled there. Uh, in the right. first game, it was actually, it looked like the Coyotes were potentially going to win that one. They yeah, they started that, off by scoring in the first period. They went up, nothing. I think it was 2 nothing. Yeah, yeah, and then... nothing game. And then they allowed four consecutive goals. Uh, they yeah. took 32 shots. Um, Vegas took 27. I would okay. pin a little bit of that loss on Darcy Kemper. Yeah, if you're if you're keeping teams under 30 shots, I mean, unless they're getting like these incredible great, which I mean, Vegas has a talent to where they can get away with you know taking 25 shots, and they've good enough shooters where some of those shots are going to hit. You know what I mean? Like they're they're a very talented team. But yeah, you need your goalie if you're only giving up 27 shots. You need your goalie to make 25 of those, 20 save 25 of those. You know. Um, but with that being said, uh, Vegas also has incredible goaltending themselves. Robert and Leonard looks pretty good. Uh, and I think Marc-Andre Fleury has been play, played pretty well for them, too. So that you go to the opposite end uh, with Vegas, and they they look like a team that is... They really, look like Vegas, yeah. They look like a team where it's like Stanley Cup or bust, right? Like, you have Leonard, you have Marc-Andre Fleury, you have the huge Petrangelo signing, you have... You still have Max Pacioretty, who can put up 30 goals. You have Mark Stone, who I think is the best two-way player in the game. Uh, and there are other guys I'm not even... I'm probably forgetting. I don't have their roster in front of me. But they that's, have Shea Theodore. They have... Shea a, Theodore. Uh, Riley, right? Shea, Shea Riley? Yeah. Yeah. They No, they still have uh, Riley Smith. Riley Smith. Um, sorry. I don't know why I said... Riley Smith. Yeah. He's should another. know, because he's noted brother of um, New York Rangers defender Brendan Brent Smith. Smith. Yes, that's right. Um, they also have the uh, William Carlson. That's uh, a guy who who he he was like the big you know they scooped him up in Columbus from Columbus there during the expansion draft their first year and I, I think he put up forty goals or close to forty goals and then his goal ten, his goal scoring has gone down a little bit and I think last year only had fifteen but that's a guy I'd expect to score some more goals this season so they they got a they have a very complete team and they also have Ryan Reeves yeah. who is the best that's... shit talker in the NHL so. Not not just the best shit talker. I would I would argue that Ryan Reeves uh and and it's tough because Ryan Reeves uh is the one who usually you have to watch out for um in terms of if a guy is potentially going to take take a player out. Yeah, run um, one of your guys. Yeah. Uh you you'd assume it's going to be him. Um yep. and this is something that I actually kind of didn't even think about, but two of them are in the West Division, the Honda West Division, um, there's Ryan Reeves, and then you right. also have Evander Kane. Oh, and that's right. Evander Kane has not only injured; uh, he's the one who hurt Oliver Ackman Larson uh, for the right. Coyotes. Looked like an unintentional collision at first. Looked like they were just, you know, trying to fight for possession of the puck. Coming up to the boards, both of them kind of went into it a little funny. But Kane lifted his stick up and basically drove it into the back of Oliver Ekman-Larsen's neck. Um, we don't know how long it's going to be before he returns to the ice. Um, and the team basically went from playing against Evander Kane to playing against Ryan Reeves for four games. And I don't know if that's going to potentially cause some teams to uh, to get a little skittish against them. You know, if you yeah. play against Vegas and then you play against San Jose and you deal with Reeves and then you have to deal with Kane for a handful of games or vice versa. 
Um, but Evander Kane has also injured someone else recently. Um, and I'm looking it up briefly. Um, trying to see who he, oh, he, uh, he decided to spear, um, Jordan Bennington. Oh, okay. Which, however people feel about Jordan Bennington, I know he's, uh, he's not, not the most accepting person when it comes to his tweets in the past, um, Kind of hard to feel sorry for him about certain things, um, but he did yeah. get speared in the balls on the ice, yeah. which I don't think is okay. Yeah, um, I don't condone it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, could it have happened to a nicer guy? I mean, <laughs> no, listen, <laughs> yeah, I don't, it's tough. Um, yeah, I don't want anyone to be injured, but I get what you're saying. And so, yeah, he seems to be just kind of running rough, rough shot this year, which. I mean, if I had just filed for bankruptcy, I probably wouldn't be doing things to get fined. Um, that's true. But that's, yeah, that's you're, gonna have, you're, gonna, you're gonna have to be asking uh, Logan sure <laughs> for some money. Um, yeah. Um, what's really What's really interesting though is we we talk about Evander Kane and Ryan Reeves both in the same division, obviously, and you know teams having to play them. They both fucking hate each other. Yeah. Evander yeah. Kane, Ryan. So that will be entertaining. I I would. Uh, I. I feel like there will be a fight between them. Uh, I know fighting oh, has, sure. we've moved away from fighting more or less. And I think that's a great thing for the sport, but I think those two are going to beat the crap out of each other at some point. Cause they play each other eight times. And yeah, I, I think we will. I think it's not an, if it's a win. Yeah. It's a win. Yeah. It will, it'll happen. And especially with Vander Kane filing for bankruptcy and you have Ryan Reeves as the chirp King. Uh, yeah, that's, we will see them throwing uh, the fisticuffs at some point. And then, Okay, so moving on, you want to move to our Twitter question that you put out there earlier? Yes. So let's uh, let's take a look at that. Um, which, by the way, thank you to everyone who responds on Twitter, everyone who gives us suggestions, um, everyone who follows us. Uh, within the last week or so, we ended up surpassing our 200 follower mark, which uh, may not sound like a whole lot, but for for a couple of dipshits who are, you know, just yelling about ska and uh and goalies that's um uh, that's pretty good um and we appreciate it yeah thank you for everyone it seems like people there are people that really enjoy it and it's really nice to hear that they enjoy listening to it and i like it's very nice when they participate in our silly twitter questions that uh which are Um, and we appreciate yeah i said which are and we appreciate that you guys uh yeah very very and we appreciate obviously uh our producer maxwell who does this every week for us too and helps out so it's all uh very nice and warm feelings and with that (laughs) said go ahead um so yeah we we asked you guys who is your favorite hockey team's most famous fan and uh some of you didn't fully understand the prompt which is okay um obviously i spoke for devil's fans when i put david putty um (laughs) because i don't care if there's a quote-unquote more famous fan who likes the devils which fun fact my chemical romance they are devils fans um i think uh gaslight anthem is as well they use a gaslight anthem song as their goal song for a while i don't know if it's 45 no it was a howl off of the same album as 45 okay um, okay, because I was gonna say every every rink in plays, North America plays forty five. Plays forty five. Yep, that is. Um, a, yeah, it's a very sports arena for whatever. It's a very the lyrics are very sad, but anyway. Yeah, it's 
It's kind of a bop, though. Um, it is a bop. Yeah, so you said yourself for the Islanders, which is wrong. Um, I am the most famous Islander fan. This is <laughs> this is slander against me. Um, I think many people are saying it. It's uh, <laughs> We're looking more and more into it. So, no, for the Islanders, unfortunately, well, we, they, they have a couple of famous fans. Because the Rangers get the most of them, right? Like, right. Uh, they they hog Katie Ledecky though. Katie, which is awesome. Like that, she yeah. rocks. I think she's my. She's really great. She's my probably my favorite famous Islander fan. Anytime you have a American hero, uh, that rocks. Um, we have Ralph Macchio, who I don't know if like obviously he was really big in the '80s with uh, the Karate Kid, and then. Uh, I think it was The Outsiders was the movie he was in. Yes, um, which is a heartbreaking movie, by the yes, way. Yes, with I, that was that cast that was with Rob Lowe and Swayze and Matt Dillon and that had a both um, Emilio Estevez. Um, yep. Oh, apparently, so I'm looking at the cast right now. Um, I forgot that C. Thomas Howell was in it. Um, he played yes. Pony Boy. Yeah. Um, which is crazy because I just finished watching Southland again. Um, and. He's on Southland. He's also on Animal Kingdom. Um, amazing. But Tom Cruise was in that, too. Um, yeah, it's it's a very um, it was, you know, the brat pack of the 80s or whatever. Oh, I forgot. Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, yeah. Directed that. Wow. That that's a yeah, that's a really good movie. Anyway, so Ralph Macchio is probably our fa- most famous fan. Uh, he he was in The Karate Kid, The Outsiders, and he's also on Cobra Kai, which Take, is a series that takes place in the Karate Kid universe. Very good. I don't know if you've watched it. I would highly recommend it. Uh, um, it's, it's really enjoyable. I'm really happy you feel that way. Um, Why? I'm happy for you. You don't like it? Have you no. watched it? Oh my god. It, it's, it's, I don't like super campy shows. Um, and it's definitely not a super realistic uh, like it's, it's very campy. It's, yeah. it's nostalgic for people. And yeah. I, I don't know. Okay, fair enough. It's, I'm, I'm happy for people who like it. Um, I'm just yeah. also, I'm happier that I don't have to watch it. Like, I'm happier that my child doesn't want to watch it with me. Yeah, Iz does not seem a fan. And then... This is my swimsuit. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving anyway. on from that, uh, do you guys have any other... Not not. do you guys have any other fans? Um, do you guys have any other famous fans, though? I'm trying to think of who else. Uh, uh... We do, unfortunately. And this is oh. the... Uh, <laughs> Fucking Kevin Connolly, E from Entourage, uh, mm-hmm. is uh, our most. He's one of our other big famous fans, and he's. I hope he never listens to this, but he is like. First of all, Entourage as a show was not really ever a good show. I used to watch it when I was a teenager, I and like it. I, I liked it. To, it. Listen, it was good to turn your brain off and watch, but it like. Yeah. I'm sure if I went back, I would have been like, oh, this show did not age well. <laughs> Um, no it it absolutely didn't yeah Um, but so he what's really funny is and i know people like to bag on lou lamorello a lot but he when before uh lamorello took over and garth snow was general manager kevin Connolly was like always like he was always around the team and like he uh he went and announced a draft pick i think in the 2009 or 2010 draft and it ended up being brock nelson like he was with like he yeah he was just like such a part of the team and then since Lamorello <laughs> took over, he's like, yeah, it's not happening anymore. <laughs> Which I mean, I that's, like. that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, I like that. Cause I think the guy's kind of a huge tool. 
and I think there was some accusations of, about him. So there were some uh, there were some sexual assault accusations yeah, hanging yes. out there. Um, yeah. So Chloe Grace Moritz is also an Islanders fan. Oh, she's been in stuff. So yeah, and there's a guy from Law and Order that's an Islanders fan. I don't remember which one, but I always see. Is my... it uh, Is it the one from? Is it Christopher Maloney? Uh, I'm typing Law and Order Islanders fan. <laughs> I can't find it. Um, we'll assume that they only have two fans. That's fine. Um, no, I see the names. I'm gonna let you Google that, and I'm gonna start going through the rest of the rest of these. Let us know when you find it. Um, the uh, the Vancouver Canucks obviously have um <clears throat> a handful of fans. Um, I want to say that Ryan Reynolds is a is a big Vancouver Canucks fan. Um, yes, that's right. But Gabriella Marie um, actually pointed out that Michael Bublé apparently is not only a Canucks fan, but is friends with Brock Baser, um, which is wild to me. Um, I did not realize that Michael Bublé liked hockey. Um, good for him. Uh, that's kind of that's kind of weird. I'm not a huge Michael Bublé fan. Um, the Coyotes are funny because. There are a lot of teams that have a lot of, like, celebrity fans. And the Coyotes have a surprising number of them. But they're all, like, really strange. Really, really strange. Um, And so they have Alice Cooper. Um, John McCain was a huge Coyotes fan. He used to show up to all the games. Um, And then, which I, I can't really think of another politician who in terms of hockey would show up uh, to games i don't know i know someone said jill biden i think jill biden well, jill biden's a, a huge Flyers. she's fan. a huge flyers fan so we have huge a fly, we have a flyers fan in the white house but i can't i can't picture like seeing i don't remember seeing many pictures of them at games and like john mccain used to show up like all season long whenever he was in arizona like he was always there which is kind of cool um but they also have frankie muniz he shows Hell up yeah. all the time. So they have Frankie Muniz, Alice Cooper, and John McCain rolling up together, which is what a bizarre trio. Like Spe- speaking of shows that still hold like still hold up or don't still hold up, Malcolm in the Middle still holds up. That show Does it really? Yeah, it's still a very good show. Um Yeah, so I, Frankie Muniz. Oh, I forgot there's one more who no. shows up to all their games. Um Charles Barkley. Oh, I guess because he was a huge Coyotes fan. Yeah, because he was a Phoenix Sun, so that makes. He showed up to uh to Shane Doan's retirement. Ceremony, oh wow! Like the Jersey retirement ceremony. Uh, that's a rubber band, my friend. Um, <laughs> my daughter's trying to put rubber bands on her head. Um, but no, Charles Barkley showed up. Larry Fitzgerald showed up. Um, one of the one of the Diamondbacks players showed up, and I'm gonna get absolutely ripped for forgetting who it was because um, I don't remember. But uh, but yeah, um, Charles Barkley shows up all the time. He became a special ambassador for the team at one point last year, or the year before. Um, and I don't know if we've talked about it, but my mom is the world's biggest Charles Barkley stan. She loves him. Really? I don't think, yeah, yeah, she, she likes him. She likes, like, she likes Shaq. She likes JJ Watt. She likes Terry Bradshaw. Like, she has her athletes that she. She likes the personalities. 
yes, she has her athletes that she roots for. Um, but Charles Barkley is like number one for her. She sometimes calls him her husband. Um, she constantly texts me whenever she sees news about him and the Coyotes because like she wants to know if I've met him. And so he showed up to a game and I took a picture of him. And I was like, hey, look who's here today. And she lost her mind. Oh, my God. She's like He's there. I was like, mom. Yes, <laughs> he's here. Um, I'm not going to go talk to him. But but yeah, he's he's a huge fan. Um, I I like that somebody said I have to think that as of today, it's Jill Biden. Because, um, yes, I think that the Flyers, I think they have a few other fun fans. But um, that's by far, I think, the best one. Um, yep. Do we have what? Who else did we have? Uh, we got um, Tom Hucker or Tom Hunter. Wow. Um, he's at Puck Don't Lie on Twitter. He came through clutch. Um, because I told him I was like, "Hey, we're talking about most famous fans," and he texted me. And he said, "Hey, I know everyone would say it's either Drake or Bieber, but I have a better one." And he sent me this picture from like. This has to be from the 90s. Yeah. Of uh, Russell Crowe. And I was like, oh, you came through so well with this one. So he, he said Russell Crowe. And then he found a picture of Kit Harrington in a Leafs jersey. Um, also found a picture of uh, Captain America, Chris Evans in a Leafs jersey. I refuse Ugh. to believe that because yeah, that's he's not from, real. That's, he's from that's Massachusetts. Not... Yeah. Like, oh, that's, no. that's um, against blood. You can't you can't do that. You can't do that. No, um, that hurts my heart. Um, Brody Lee, um, Luke Harper from WWE was a big Leafs fan. Um, Elton John was apparently oh, a Leafs that, fan. That the, the WWE guy that passed away? I believe so, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was that was a cool list um, that he found. Um, he did way too much work finding that. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, I, I appreciate it. Like I said, thank you to everyone whoever responds to these um, and who yeah. does extra legwork. Um, yeah, I think uh, we got, uh, Joe Man Manganiello um, is apparently a big Penguins fan, which I did not realize. Um, but uh, there's apparently some cult lady in Pittsburgh. She's called the Pens Knitting Lady, and she uh, she likes to knit and she hangs out at the games and goes to all the games, which I would put her on par with. There's this guy who comes to Coyotes games. Um, and I've met him. Coolest guy ever. Um, I forget his name and I feel really bad, but he's, a uh, he's from Buffalo originally. And oh, nice. so when Buffalo came to town twice a or once a year, he would show up in his Ryan Miller Sabres Jersey. <laughs> but, uh, most of the time he shows up in his Coyotes Jersey and a coyote hat on his head. Like wow. a coyote pelt. And he's the reason that the team has that, uh, the coyotes, the coyote pelt hat that they passed around for like the game. Oh, winner. that's awesome. That's um, awesome. yeah, the player of the game, but he would show up at all the games. Wasn't super like loud or obnoxious about it. He just, he showed up to all the games in his coyotes Jersey and his coyote, like fur hat, like Davy Crockett. Um, yeah, he walked so the, the QAnon shaman could run, I guess. Um, but then once a year, he'd show up in his Ryan Miller jersey. Um, and he'd still wear his Coyote hat. And he still showed up and cheered for both teams. But he was from Buffalo originally. And he was kind of like a snowbird. Um, so he came down. And once he moved down here, he became a, a really huge uh, Coyotes fan, too. Um, I'm really disappointed, though, 
let me go on record as saying I am super disappointed that nobody brought up Snoop Dogg. Oh. <laughs> that is my favorite. He's a big uh, fan. He's, he's a, a he's fan. Yeah, he's actually my girlfriend Kate is from Long Beach, California, and that's where Snoop Dogg is from. So she is a very big Snoop Dogg fan. <laughs> Kate loves uh, Snoopaloop. So yes, he's a very big. He always he wears those uh, retro Kings jerseys. Yes, with the crown. Yeah, those are sleek. I like those. Yes, Snoop is. Oh, he did. He was in the booth for a game last yeah. year. Yes. Yeah, he did some color. Um, yeah, he's a he's a big sports guy, like in general. I know he like I think he's a big Steelers fan too, and like yeah, yeah he's, he's super huge football yeah. fan. Yeah, he's he's cool. Yeah, so if I don't think Kate really listens, but she'll be happy I gave a shout out to Snoop Dogg <laughs> in Long Long Beach. D O double G. Yeah, and it's he's a fun one. I I would say he's my favorite because yes. I. Yeah. All the other ones. Um, I mean, I know Charles Barkley, kind of a surprise, but he he played in Phoenix. Um, yeah. Most of the others, like you look at them and you're like, you know what? Yeah, they would be a hockey fan. <laughs> That's yeah. you look at them and you're like, this is someone who watches hockey. Um, and then there's Snoop Dogg, who hockey would not have been the first thing. I would have guessed as a like diehard passion of his. Um, and he loves the Kings. He's shown up and done their commentary multiple times now. Yeah. Um, and that's that's awesome to me. Uh, just because, like, not only for inclusion in the game, obviously, but um, yeah, just seeing him uh, do the do the commentary. Because he has fun with it. Yeah. Sometimes we see people come and do the like the guest commentary, and they do a good job, but they're very clearly trying to do it correctly. It's a little dry. And it's a little dry. I don't even remember what he was saying, but he was. He's very into the game. Yeah, he was. He was telling someone to shoot, and like, I don't even remember what he he's said. like. The, he's like he's like the rest of us watching a power play and screaming. Yeah, shoot. <laughs> yeah. He was, except he was like calling them fun names, like. I, I don't remember what he called. I think he was talking about Dion Phaneuf at one point. Um, and, and he found a way to like rap along with Dion's name. But, uh, but yeah, he was good. Um, the only other notable celebrity fan who I think deserves a shout out is um, Peter Chuck. Uh, for any of our soccer fan listeners, um, former Chelsea FC goalkeeper, um, one of the best, I would argue, one of the best uh, goalkeepers in the history of soccer. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, he was uh, one of the team's, like, most prolific players, was with them for years and years. Uh, He was, he wore a helmet after um, he, uh, he got injured during a game. Um, and after that appearance, he wore this protective helmet to keep himself from, from getting injured again. And he just, he kept wearing it. Um, which I think is pretty cool. Um, especially seeing a player who plays in a sport where they don't necessarily all yeah. take head safety, not, not don't take it seriously, but where a lot of them don't do anything super proactive, like wearing it even when they don't need to. Um, and he wore it forever. Um, but he is from the Czech Republic. Um, 
He still lives in England now. Um, he's currently a technical performance advisor for Chelsea um, and was also an emergency goalkeeper for them. Oh, wow. Um, but he is apparently like best friends with Dominic Hasek. <laughs> I was just going to say, because didn't Hasek like, end up playing pro soccer for a little bit? Um, I don't know if he did, but they did like a really, really weird photo shoot together where they were like feeding each other like food off of a picnic blanket and like <laughs> sticking hockey pucks in their mouths and stuff. It was weird. Um, but after that, after that bizarre, um, photo shoot that they did together, um, you know, that, that just sort of went away and it was occasionally like brought up in cult references and stuff. And then at one point, Peter Chuck decided to uh, announce that he was going to become a pro hockey player. Oh my God. <laughs> and so he actually played professional hockey last year. Um, let me pull up his stats because he actually didn't do that badly. Um, he played hockey as a child. Um, obviously, that's a very expensive sport. Um, he ended up moving forward with playing soccer instead never really got a chance to play a ton of a ton of hockey um but yeah he played six games in england's tier two league um for guildford phoenix uh had a 934 save percentage and two shutouts oh i remember this I remember in his first year of professional hockey that's wild to me um but they're they're two of my favorite athletes in general just because uh hashak has been very vocal about tweeting pro-democracy things for the United States. I know when Joe Biden won, he was uh, he was all over Twitter getting excited about it with uh, with the rest of America. Um, and then Peter checks out there just just playing hockey every once in a while too, which is extremely fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's all that we had from that question. Um, to cap things off, though, I. Did not find an album that was released this week. Um, I tried my hardest, did not find one. Um, but this year, 2021, um, obviously is going to be a big year in the anniversary world of punk and punk pop and emo because we are about to enter the 20-year anniversary of really the, the heyday of punk pop music um it's pop punk not punk pop <laughs> punk pop pop punk look i'm having trouble talking right now you have a, you have a child I don't have, a, I don't have a voice my child's currently standing on top of the furniture wearing an elsa dress um, um waving you know scissors what? who doesn't i wish break. i could do that right now give me a break um <laughs> so i figured on weeks that i don't find um an album that came out this week um because we do have one for next week that we're super excited about but yes this week i figured i'd at least give the 20 year anniversary and make everyone feel really old um this year is the 20 year anniversary of brand new's inaugural album your favorite weapon uh, how old do you feel now uh <laughs> i i feel old i feel very old i remember uh, I remember when that came out, and I remember, I'm, I'm, I remember more specifically their second album when Deja Tendu came out. But um, yeah, that makes me feel really old. That is an album I spun a lot. Uh, yeah, throughout, it's, throughout uh, my, it's, it's yeah. twenty years old this year. 
it's very it's a yeah it's a very good album um obviously you know brown like not to divulge get into the whole brand new thing and like i really don't listen to their music gone over it a couple times now uh yeah and we we feel pretty pretty universally that that's a that's a very delicate situation i would say i will just say it was funny uh Growing up, because uh, they're from, you know, a couple towns over from me. Taking Back Sunday was from a couple towns over to me. And they used to have, obviously, they had their rivalry. Um, they were friends could, for a while. Well, they, they were, were that's friends. right. They were yeah. friends before, like, they both released their first album. And they both had diss tracks on each of their debut albums, which is something you really don't see in uh, emo or pop punk. No, uh, you <laughs> that's, really don't. <laughs> uh, it's very angsty <laughs> diss tracks, but... Um, yeah, and you usually you liked one better than the other, um, but when I was in high school, whichever girl I liked, whatever they liked more, I would say I liked more. So if she said she liked brand new more, I'd be like, oh, I like brand new more. Or if she said they like taking back Sunday more, I'd be like, oh, I like taking back Sunday more. Did you really? Um, uh, yeah, I had to take what I could. You know, I was not a. I did not smooch in high school. <laughs> it didn't um, work. Did not work to my benefit, but I was always more. I love Taking Back Sunday, but I was. Oh. I always like. I always liked Brand New better. Okay, okay. I thought that you were gonna say that you were always more of a Taking Back Sunday. No, I, I, man, like the devil and God are raging inside of me. There, that album. Uh, That's the best album of all time. Oof, that is. Fight I think that I. Fight me on it. Uh, no, I, it's an incredible album. It used to be one of my favorites, and I used to go back and forth between that and Deja. And also, I loved science fiction when it came out. Um, but man, like, yeah, it's that really set like set the mark. Uh, and I, I don't think any really emo band, or emo indie pu- punk band, pop punk band, whatever the hell you want to genreify it, uh, ever really matched that. Um, and it was definitely an album. That I learned, that I loved more and more as I got older, especially into my twenties to late twenties. Devil and God re- definitely resonated more with me. So when I was younger, it always used to be Deja uh, and Tendu, but now it, it's I would say it was definitely uh, Devil and God. So uh, speaking of Deja, um, it's it's kind of a weird album for me because I, fun fact, there was this. Uh, this guy that I was super into when I was in high school. So you were talking about um, how you would always tell your crushes that you liked one or the other better. Um, right. Yes. <laughs> I stayed pretty firmly with brand new, um, which actually helped me in the long run because this guy that I was friends with in college was from Merrick. Um, and I oh, went from- to, I be- yeah, he was like from Merrick proper. Um, and I know that we, went to see I want to say it was a we saw someone in Merrick like we went to some like small little bar and watched um ooh I don't even remember who it was a good old war we went and saw good old war um out on Long Island which uh I don't know if you ever listened to good old war if that was too uh too folky in the, I, in, I haven't. Do you remember the venue? Because I'm sure I've been to the venue. I don't remember the venue. Um, I wasn't sober enough to remember the venue. Let's be real. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, this guy that I was like super into in high school, um, he was older than I was. 
which made me think that he was cooler than I was looking back. Tremendous loser. Um, <laughs> but we were talking one time at work because um, I worked with him and he was talking about like meaningful hookup songs. And he was like, you know what song would be like just a really intense song to hook up to would be Sick Transit Gloria. Ugh. And looking back, that's like such a red flag. Yeah, that's <laughs> that like, should have been the reddest of flags. Um, also, just in like terms of like, Dejan Tendu has creepy songwriting. Like, <laughs> there are problematic songs on that album that we all should have seen coming. Sick Transit Gloria. Sick Transit Gloria. Um, <laughs> The quiet oh thing that no the, one ever uh, knows. The, um, one of the one of the last tracks. It's just like, uh, hang on, I'm lo- I can't remember the name because it's such a long. Uh, good to know that if I ever need attention, all I have to do is die. That not that one. Oh, me versus Maradona, Maradona versus, versus Elvis. Elvis. Like the lyrics, that. the lyrics to that are like very predatory, and I'm just like, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I like that song though. Everyone <laughs> liked that song. Everyone liked that album, but it's just like, oof, yeah, we. Uh, Anyway, that is... none of those songs come anywhere close to. Uh, I would I would say you won't know is like oh, the man. best song uh, by any pop punk emo whatever and you want. You won't know. The way that song just as, the way that song kicks the best <laughs> when that song kicks off. Uh, when that song kicks off after the intro, it's like oh when man, it builds, man. Yeah, it limousine builds. is an incredible song too off that album and. Uh, Archers was yeah that Archers is good. I always forget that I like it. Um, it's so Jesus underrated, Christ but it's yeah, it was I mean, okay. Um, I lo- I mean that was their most popular, and you know it's funny. Max uh, posted and in- did the Bernie Sanders meme with the um, <laughs> with the that album cover, The Devil and God, no. and then and he had he had Jesus Christ playing uh, on his Instagram story, and I'm like. Oh, I haven't because I haven't just I haven't listened to them in so long, and I'm just like, holy shit! Like I would be, I yeah, that song was really good. It, it it's not the best off that album, but every album on that uh, every song on that album is just so strong, and it it was such a it was a genre defying album. And they have they have good ones for every mood that you're in. I would say because yeah. Jesus Christ is definitely when you're in like your peak emo mood, like when you want to have sad boy summer. Um, yes. Yep. Yeah. And then you won't know is like, I don't know. It's good for everything, mostly when you're kind of angry. But then, not the sun is like. Oh man, I, I would that say song. that's been my favorite song. Very on under that album for the last like. Very year, under under the radar. That song never gets enough credit. I feel like that song and Archers never gets enough. There, I feel like they're overlooked because those are really good songs. Yeah, not the sun has such a good back half to it. Um, but yes. yeah, that's that's one of the best albums uh, of all time. Um, and oh, fun fact: a... my Go roommate ahead. Richie, who is not home to defend himself right now, um, he doesn't like them. He doesn't like brand new. And I played "You Won't Know" for him. Hated it. Couldn't really? understand why I like it. Thought it was did, terrible. Did, like. Did you... Did you play anything off your favorite weapon? Because your favorite weapon is a lot different than their later albums. I your... didn't. I, I just played because I thought they got progressively better. Yeah, that's people say that, and then uh, but people love that first album and think it's their best album because it's such a it's such a pop punk like it 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 fits the time period perfectly. It's like yeah, it's, it's such a pop two thousand one pop punk album. It like every song is there's only a couple slow songs on it, and every other song is like just a fast like 
angsty pop punk out uh pop punk song so but then obviously they they progress into a more i guess you can say matured but uh they get more emo they move away from pop punk and indie yeah emo. they become more of an emo indie band um but uh, maybe play something from your favorite weapon because uh people still do i still love i mean that, that was a great album but i don't know it, it shook me when he because he said, absolutely hated it um he, he hated it Oh man! What about in any case, your favorite like, weapon? Um, does he like Taking Back Sunday? Um, that's a good question. He liked uh, super mainstream, oh, adult rock. Um, so like Three Doors Down, Matchbox Twenty, um, and then some like super super indie stuff, but like folk indie stuff okay. not like uh not like brand new but like the folk indie stuff yeah um, yeah yeah so I not even it. like circus survive and stuff like that he liked yeah. uh oh i'm trying to think of because we we actually went to a music festival together with uh with our friend cory crenshaw who co-hosts the cory and richie show on the hockey podcast network um with the three of us went to a music festival in like 2016 and he didn't know the words to the Fallout Boy songs. He had just heard them, <laughs> but didn't listen to them. Um, but he liked uh, Young the Giant. Oh, um, uh, okay, I got Ingrid it. Michaelson. So a little bit more that I'm sure he listens to Regina Spector stuff like yeah. that. Um, okay, but so All maybe right. that's why he doesn't like it. Maybe he likes prettier sounding songs. But gotcha. Oh. Uh, and our producer, Maxwell Spar, we will round off with him. Um, he said that Schmidt from New Girl is an Islanders fan. So Yes, I believe he does wear an Islanders jersey in one episode. He and does. Uh, he posted the picture of it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Schmidt is from Long Island. And I believe, uh, what's the, Zoe Deschanel's character at one point calls him Long Island street trash, which I've never more identified to. <laughs> <laughs> That's a... Uh, that yeah. that hurts my heart um mostly because i i relate a little bit to the long island street trash um <laughs> yeah if you don't have a picture of you like hammered in a bar with someone in a backwards baseball cap um a pop punk band t-shirt um i think i i think there's a picture of me somewhere wearing like a glass jaw shirt yeah with a backwards baseball cap um another probably another an one nhl one Yes, yes, another yeah. Long yeah. Island one there. Um, yeah, that's that. That hurts my feelings. Cheap, <laughs> cheap. Coin that phrase. Um, that is, it, it was a cheap shot, but I, I related to it. Um, and on that note, I think you, we're gonna wrap I it up. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good episode. Uh, we'll be back either next week or whenever our schedules permit. Maybe we'll have a guest. Uh, hopefully, there's no more COVID outbreaks in the league. And yes. yeah, that's really it. Um, all right. Have a good weekend, everyone. This will probably be out either this weekend or next week. So look out. We saw the western coast. I saw the hospital. past the shoreline like a wound. Yeah.
safe and slow.